Oh my god! Welcome to another edition of Death Metal Dukes! Once again, Into the Void with Christopher Pierce and Buddy Lloyd. All right, first thing I want to touch on up top. This was really bothering Buddy, and me too. I fucked up last time, Buddy. Did you? Yeah, I said that Dead sang on Death Crush. Well, I said I was 98% sure. You were right. All right, sweet. <laughs> it, it was Maniac. I wasn't sure, but I I was almost positive. Man, they had such like a weird compile of... like I've even watched the uh, Once Upon a Time in Norway, and yeah. they just had so much shit going on with so many different members right up top. It's hard to keep it all in order. Um, what's the album Dead Song Live in what? Live in Leipzig. Live in Leipzig. And it, uh, and he, he sounds similar to Maniac, too. Yeah, it's not like it's far... It's not like it's a far stretch. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Like, Live in Leipzig is... To me, it's... Yeah, it's awesome. It's great, That man. version of... Uh, Cold moon? What moon? Freezing moon. Freezing moon. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. When it's cold, then it's dark. <laughs> Freezing moon. Because <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, gotta, what a week. Let the moon obsess you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking week, man. Uh, boy, where to start, buddy? Uh, first of all, I plugged that Kyle Kinane show on here relentlessly, and I really feel like because of you guys that have been listening to this, that's the biggest show that uh, I've been a part of in town. So I can't. And when I got brought on stage, buddy, I know he had to work, and they and, uh, Mark hosted the show and brought us up. And when he said "Death Metal Dicks," dude, it was like, Rah! yeah, and uh, that was a good feeling, man. So I think a lot of people have been watching what we're doing and came out to support. So that was awesome. You know, we sold the show out. Kyle Kinane was awesome. Uh, producer Mark did an awesome set. It ruled. It really couldn't have gotten better from like a comedy in a small town standpoint. You yeah, know? I re- man, I appreciate everybody that supported you. I wish I could have been there, man. I really do. Got to make money, man. Yep. We're going to talk about making money uh, right now. So last week, obviously, we recorded episode one, which was our introduction to Norwegian black metal. We went, if you didn't listen, you got to go back and hear it to know who we're talking about today. So what we did is we introduced all the main players that were hanging out at Helvet in Oslo, Norway. We talked about the first bands. We talked about them being influenced by Hellhammer, which turned into Celtic Frost. We talked about uh, Bathory, Venom. And we talked about these guys meeting each other and starting to play music. And then going down the road that led to where we're going to be at today, which is all the insane crimes that they committed. And we ended on a murder. Um, you know, over the last week before that show, I was stressing out. Uh, if you if you don't know me and you're just listening to the podcast, I do a lot of stand-up comedy. Um, I'm kind of – I live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I, I've started doing comedy in Little Rock, Arkansas. And if I do a show – Close to home, that's like the best jumping off point. But it's few and far between. It's got to be somebody like Kyle Kinane coming through or something that makes sense for me to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'm not out there a lot. And a lot of the reason that I like, first of all, I don't really have to do it anymore, which is a blessing, but um, from Satan. But 
a lot of the reason I don't go around Little Rock and like hang out with those guys and support that scene is because we there's a pedophile that um, is within the comedy scene here. And about a year and a half ago, uh, I took a lot of heat, which seems insane. And I'm sure anyone listening is going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I took a lot of heat from like the local comics that are, uh, I would say, like a smaller act than what I've got going on for myself. Or I don't yeah. know how to describe it, but like I would say I'm doing quite a bit better than most of them. So I think it's like a back and forth type of beef thing anyway. But they all sided with this pedophile guy, <laughs> which is like, I don't even know how to explain this to somebody. But anyway, that was a year and a half ago. About And so that had reared its head again in the form of some guy that's been trying to do stand-up comedy for like 20 years for whatever reason. I guess it was to try to fit in with like a group of young kids. Uh, brought the whole thing back up out of nowhere and was like trying to vaguely attack me. And if you know me, I'm not going to put up with shit, A, because um, I don't have to. I stand on my own. People know who I am. I got good friends and I got people that follow me that are going to ride with me. And... On top of that, the, what we're talking about here is defending a pedophile. This guy was defending a pedophile. So, you know, it's not like a huge life event. But from like Wednesday through Friday, my social media was just bonkers. And I just had to, you know, destroy this guy and all his goofy friends and like all my friends, which if you're listening, thank you so much. I mean, he he made a funny post that was like, uh, you don't have like he didn't look into me at all. Like first he was threatening to fight me, which is hilarious. Oh my God. Uh, which um, you know, again, if you're just tuning into this, like I'm a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I fought mixed martial arts. Uh, you know, I I don't have a problem with a physical confrontation. I don't want to get in a fight ever. But it's like you didn't even look into me enough to know that you shouldn't threaten to fight me. You know, and then he started to say stuff like, "You don't have a career. You just put on small local shows." And then on that, like right underneath that. Eight people that have been on Comedy Central got on that thread and were like, fuck you, Jason. Oh, whoops. Whatever. We're like, fuck you. And uh, he just got crushed, you know, and he had to delete yeah. the whole thing and backpedal. But it was a pain in my ass, you know. I mean, that's just extra time, extra energy. It's stressful. And so I do that, and then I do that show. So I'm like, now I'm done with negative stuff. I'm on a high. I'm having a good time. Kyle Kinane's one of my favorite comics. I got to see him. I, I recorded my set, and I got like audio of fucking Kyle Kinane laughing at my stupid jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm on cloud nine. I'm feeling great. And then, uh, um, you're people, like, people you're, are, you're like a heavy metal Chris Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Um, <laughs> we're, so, you know, and then I'm like, people are telling me they like the podcast. Yeah. I'm like checking the listens on how many listens our black metal podcast has. It's a lot to me. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're growing in a way I had done a podcast before and it was like, all time. And I had like a, one of the dudes from Paul Bearer on and shit. Like all time, I had like three or 400 downloads total, which was, that was crazy to me. And I don't want to put a number and sound like I'm gloating, but we got like what I think is an incredible amount for the amount of time we've been doing it. And that's awesome. And I'm only saying that to say that I was on like a, a high place about our podcast. All right. So flash forward to Monday morning. Now, I just want to give a frame of reference of my life and what a normal day for me is like, all right? So I got two kids. I got a wife. I I work a restaurant job. I make gelato, buddy. I make gelato. Yeah. And that's a craft. I would consider myself a chef. I yeah. work hard at it, and I do a good job at it, and I enjoy it, and it pays well. Uh, but to get to that job from the smaller town I live in, in Arkansas, Hot Springs, I have to drive an hour to get to Little Rock every day. I do that. Um some days I draw, I go 
at 4.30 in the morning so I can get to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at 6 o'clock. And then I go to work after that. And then after I get done with work around 3, 3.30, I drive back home, takes another hour. And then I hang out with my kids, get them to bed. And then I have like a small chunk of time. And what I do with that time is I research everything for our podcast since we started doing that. Sometimes and I'll usually try to write jokes. I usually try to spend 20 minutes a day like writing on jokes. And so factor that in with podcasts. I mean, I'm not watching TV shows. I'm not I'm not doing regular free time shit. You know, I'm I'm on the hard work notion. You know, this is important to me. Doing this podcast is important to me. So I work very hard on it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, I put an average of, you know, five to 10 hours, depending on the topic of research for each one, because I'm doing like an hour a night. And then the day before I, I'll spend a ton of time trying to make sure that it's tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I take it seriously. That's what I'm getting at. And I, and I work hard. I got a job um, in Arkansas. I don't live in New York. I don't live in Los Angeles. Uh, I am a stand up comedian, but I, I'm, I'm not living in a place where I can get paid money to go on stage every night to work on jokes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean I mean like you and I are dudes that just are able to pay our bills mm-hmm. and get to point A to point B, you know, and that's that's pretty much what we got going on, you know. It's like you do your thing, I work with the youth, troubled youth and and have time with my family and then, you know, we do this and this is, you know, like yeah. our passion, you know, we love yeah. our shit. Yeah, and then I, I work two jobs. I referee jujitsu on weekends. Uh, usually like two weekends a month. So, and, and I try to book shows the other two weekends. So really what I'm getting at is I don't have a lot of time. My time to me is valuable. And the most valuable thing for me to do is to make a great podcast because yeah. not just for us, but for anyone listening, because what we do here at death metal dicks is we take true crimes and supernatural things and cult stuff and basically anything that we would find interesting. And we were dorks growing up. I mean, we're into yeah. typical Stuff that you, when you're, you you find heavy metal, you find death metal, you find black metal, you get into serial killers, you start learning about serial killers, you start watching gore videos online, yeah. you love horror movies, you love aliens, you love satanic shit, you love blasphemous shit. It's just a path that, that a lot of people follow and end up in a similar place. And this is who we make this podcast for. We want to have this type of community and we also try to make it to where it's enjoyable for anyone who's not into those things. Everybody's welcome. We, I mean, it's a fun podcast. No matter what you're into, everyone likes hearing about true crime stuff, and we deliver it in a hilarious package. And I'm saying all that to say this, that on Monday morning, a bunch of my friends started telling me that another podcast is 100,000 times bigger than we are. Yeah. One of the biggest podcasts Okay, so we recorded this on Tuesday, and we announced that we were going to do it on our last podcast, which would have been two weeks today, that we are going to do black metal. So fast forward to Monday, I made a black metal playlist, yeah, and I put it on our page, and I sent it out to everybody, explaining, hey, tomorrow you got to tune in to watch this black metal episode. We came in, we recorded it Tuesday, we do a live YouTube stream, hey guys, and then we put the pod beat out on Wednesday. And then I put it out on iTunes on Friday. Yeah. All right. And so I get to work Monday and my friend tells me, and this podcast, by the way, is my favorite podcast by far. Yeah, mine too. I, I listen to it religiously. Nothing. Man. I don't think any podcast compares to it. Once I heard it, it ruined other podcasts for me. I've listened to every episode pretty much. You know, I sleep during podcasts a lot, fly on a plane, fall asleep, 
or like go to bed to it. So I'm not familiar with every single detail, but I feel like I've ran through all of them, especially the interesting ones. And uh, it's on, If again, if I would have never heard this podcast, I would have never had the idea to do this. So when we make a podcast and believe we're going to have so much similar content to this, it's impossible for us not to cross paths. Yeah. And uh, they've been around for, I think, like five years. And so we're going to be treading over territory that they've been down. And I go out of my way to make sure that I don't step on their toes. And I don't even feel like we're close to their toes. Yeah. But I want this. What I would like, my, I think the ideal thing for this podcast would is like the like the black metal to their death metal. Yeah. Right. Like they have this hilarious, awesome podcast that a huge percentage of people like. Well, if you wanted to love that and maybe go a little bit more grim and mess with some guys that are only into metal and we're satanic too, like actual satanic, not and satanic, but like really believe in the devil. I don't believe God created the devil. I believe the devil existed the same way God existed. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's within you, you know, and everybody. But I'm, I did, I, I only say that because these are where our similarities are at. And I think that if you like that, I if I don't like to listen to other podcasts anymore besides that one, really. So when, when I, there's not an episode to listen to, I'm like, man, I like, I'm bored, you know. Yeah. I, this is an excellent podcast to listen to. In addition to that one, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. All right. So that particular podcast, they did. Black metal, Norway black metal. They did an introduction, um, and what my friends were telling me is that it was super similar. Like I didn't get a chance to listen to it to start with. I was at work, and I'm blowing up, and everyone's like, you know, our producer and a couple of other friends of mine that know stuff, like no podcast, know our podcast, and know their podcast. Are like, man, there's a lot of similarities here, and of course, right away, I'm like, well, I mean, you know, this is an example of two beacons for Satan sending off satanic signals into the air and crossing paths yep. in no way could they have taken what we were doing and used it for themselves. You know, I don't believe that it's such a good podcast and my heart, I feel like they would never take content intentionally from anyone. Um, that's I listen to the podcast. It's a good podcast. Um, it follows the same trajectory. You know, if you listen to us and you listen to them, really the only thing different about ours and theirs is that uh, I think that Lords of Chaos is total bullshit. It is total bullshit. There's no, I think it is a fact. Nobody in black metal gets along with each other, especially that they've been around each other for years. They all talk so much shit about each other. They're all tired of each other and all of them agree that Lords of Chaos is a not what they told the guy and that he took the story and embellished it to make money. Yeah. Um all I'm trying to convey is if you're listening to this podcast now because of that podcast, welcome. I think that you should dig into our episodes. I think if you like that, you'll love this. And all we're going to do from here on out is make awesome content. And again, what we do is we take that and we compare it to a death metal song. 
And that is our own genre that we've created to appeal to true crime fans, metal fans, and anyone else that is even remotely interested in that genre. We have a good time. Yeah, we have a good time. We don't give a shit about We don't want drama. We don't even want to be involved in it, dude. Like, no. We're just here to have fun. Man. Right. And our producer, Mark, uh, I got to give him a shout out because he saw the situation. Uh, he's making a podcast network right now. He's just starting out, and he is a business person. That's what he does for a living, and he's great at it. He busts his fucking ass, man. He puts hard work into it, just like we do. Yeah, and I I really would have had no idea how to handle that situation. I mean, I probably would have tried to have gone through like some mutual comedians that I'm friends with and they're friends with and tried to like figure out anything we could do, you know, to just even be on their radar. Um, but, man, Mark went after it. He got a hold of the guys, and they they – Came to a compromise. I think they saw each other's point of view. And uh, they're supposed to give us a good shout-out on their podcast, which really will be incredible for us. And, awesome. and like I said, that's almost a dream come true for me because that's I've been, I love that podcast, and that's uh, that would make me feel incredible. And yeah. if that brought you to this show, again, welcome. You're going to like what we do. And uh, that's, that's all I want to say about it. I just want to make sure we're not in the shit. We're in no drama. Everything is out on the table. Um, hail Satan. All the way. And then uh, we'll get on to some other shit that happened this week. Did you hear about that band Decapitated? Oh, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Decapitated is a Polish death metal band. I think they just rip off Meshuggah heavily. I mean, they just play. Now. They're like that. Yeah, I mean, they had, <laughs> they had rippers, but they had a turn for like the last three albums I would say where they just started doing that it's like a math problem you know and uh, that's not their shit get out of here but they apparently I don't know why I giggled when I said that this shit's wild so I guess they were in Seattle and this is the most current thing that I read. Um, obviously, I don't want this to have happened. I think it was Spokane, actually. It's the same thing to me, buddy. Okay, man. <laughs> is it Washington? It's Washington. Is it Oregon? Something like that. They got rain and trees. Is that where Bigfoot is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's okay, a swatch up there for sure. You. Okay. So, these motherfuckers. And I don't want this to be true from any side. I don't want any human being to have been violated in any way. And I don't want a death metal band to have this type of of publicity, you know? So supposedly what I'm gathering from what I've read is that there was two girls and they were hammered and, uh, they wanted to go on the bus with decapitated, which I'm first surprised decapitated has a bus yeah, and not a van. Uh, so I guess they go on the bus. One of the girls splits because she's uncomfortable. And then the girl that, so she's saying that she was kidnapped and gang raped. Like kidnapped in the sense that she wanted to leave, but they wouldn't let her. Then that's kidnapping. And then gang raped in the sense that she was either too inebriated and did not consent to sexual activity, which is terrible. If they did that, I mean, may they be punished within the full extent of the law and kicked out of metal forever. Fuck that band. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, I don't want to side with a court of public opinion. But the bottom line, I've argued about this with plenty of people over my life. If someone's too intoxicated to consent, that's rape. And you're a terrible person if you make that happen. For sure. So we'll see what happens. There would have to be a very drastic exaggeration on that girl's side. Because from what I saw, she she said that they held her down by her arms. She had bruises on her arms. And obviously there was like sexual trauma there. 
So I'm ready to say fuck that band and roll with it. Yeah, man. I, I saw like a comment where somebody said they get a pass because they wrote Spheres of Madness, and I didn't even comment. But dude, fuck man, you, man. I cannot fuck believe. you. No one gets a pass for anything. Hey. It doesn't matter how good you are, how good you've been. If you are a predator, there's no room for you. Your whole catalog doesn't compare to what type of person you are. If there's you take no advantage of anybody, if you if you interfere with their life and what they do, and you and you fuck it up, you're a piece of shit. Period. Yeah. So we're on the record saying fuck decapitated. Happy to redact if something happens. Uh, also, we gotta hit the regular plugs. Follow Professional Pirate Media, which is our podcast network. That's on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all across social media. Add Buddy on Facebook, Buddy Lloyd. Follow him on Instagram at Lloyd Have Mercy 666. K R I S T O F E R M Pierce on Facebook is me. I'm Smells Like Teen Chris on Instagram, Death Metal Chris on Twitter. Let's hang out on social media and get to know one another off the podcast. You know what I'm saying? For sure. It's actually exactly the same. This isn't a character. It's who we are. For a fact. And last plug, I'm on Altercation Comedy Festival, September 30th in Austin, Texas. From what I understand, there's a handful of tickets. I'm on Saturday night, and uh, I am featuring for the Lizard Man. <laughs> from from fucking Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my. I guess God. he's got like a hot rock and some hooks and some shit. So somehow it worked out to where I'm featuring for the Lizard Man. That's so awesome. I'll be dude. doing I guess like half an hour set in front of the fucking Lizard Man. That's fucking <laughs> radical. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I'll be optimistic. The guy putting it on is cool as fuck. So. Man, seventh grade me is like, hell yeah. <laughs> but, dude, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, man, it's uh, me, Sam Talent, Andrew Polk, uh, Kyle Kinane, Jay Whitecotton, and we're going to get fucked up and have a good time. That's a good crew. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So look forward to that. I'll see you guys down there. If you're in the Austin area, let's talk about death metal. Let's uh, fucking hang out. and get hammered. I'm going to be there Friday and Saturday, and then I'm going to head back home on Sunday. September what? Uh, it's the 30th, the the last weekend. So whatever that Friday is, I'm coming down so we can hang out. And uh, I think that's when Sam Talent's show is. And then uh, me and Andrew Polk are the people you should watch on Saturday for sure. And then uh, Sunday I'm out, son. I maybe just try to get off work those uh, dude, if you I'm can, Friday, man, I, I got to come hang out, man. That'd be lit, dude. Yeah, be awesome. If you could just, I mean, ask for it now, and you might be able to meet me and Buddy there. That would be it. Um, all right, so let's jump back into where we were at. Um, we left off where there was a man and stabbed in Lilyhammer, right? Um, and the police didn't have any leads, and we're going to get to who did it by the end of the podcast. Reminder to where we were really at. The guy who gets convicted of stabbing, his whole downfall, and really everyone's downfall in this whole thing, is he blew it by telling the king of all dorks, Varg, <laughs> and Euronymous about his crime. You yeah. know, these guys are tits, you know? Yeah. And uh, we're going to get, I, told, I left you hanging on a cliff last time, talked about Varg trying to get some publicity and going to the local paper. I'm about to hit you with all the details on that. And I'm, we're going to get you up to speed. I'm going to give you a timeline 
on all the church burnings that our main characters were involved in, because there was about 40 church burnings in total. But the things that like Euronymous and Varg and Faust were involved in, there was a string of, I think, 12, I have them all here, that happened in uh, 1992. That's where it all started at. And then what happened after that is all the kids that were hanging around got that cult mentality, and they started doing crimes themselves. So in order to impress Euronymous and Varg and the older guys who are hanging around Helvet, they're chasing them around and saying like, hey, we just burned this church. Hey, what we're going to do is go out and burn this church. And everyone is so used to hearing Euronymous' bullshit, no one knows if they're going to do it or not. But when they actually start doing it, it freaks everyone out because they've already been implicated. And I'm going to dig into all that. I just wanted everyone to know that uh, the church burnings you're going to hear about tonight is not all 40. It would take forever to name those, but I'm going to timeline out the one that our main guys were involved in. First thing we're going to do tonight is basically give you the later life Varg biography. I know I touched base with it last time about Varg's coming up. Uh, Varg was born Christian Larson Vickerness on February 11th, 1973. Uh, we knew his dad was a traveling worker, and we talked about how he spent part of his childhood in Iraq. And being in Iraq really gave Varg a good idea of what his later in life ideals of racial separatism is like. Because when he was in that uh, Muslim country, that or whatever regime was there when he was there, they kept people apart by like race and class. So because in comparison to the local people, even though his dad was doing like a physical labor job he was more well off than like your typical school kid and they would keep him away from the other ones at recess. I know we talked about this last time, yeah. but it just, it gives, I want to make sure you get a good frame to where Varg's ideals come from. He really liked the idea of being number one because he was like the well-to-do white kid compared to the more poor Muslim people that he was around. And of course we talked about his dad was a very open Nazi uh, he fully believed in the teachings of Adolf Hitler. Uh, he was a socialist. He was a, uh, I don't know why I just thought about, a paganist. You know, he he really believed in the idea of like your own, and this is his dad because he, Varg basically takes the same thing and makes it his own, but his dad's a straight up Nazi. I mean, he's got swastikas around. He's got the SS Eagle yeah. around. Uh, he's, he's into it. And he's, he, so Varg's growing up like this. And he's just getting handed down this lesson. And, you know, his dad, like, we would think that Varg is rich. We would, like the way we grew up. But compared to the guys he's hanging around with, like Euronymous, like, he's not a rich guy. Euronymous's family is fucking super rich. We talked about that last time, how his parents helped him get Helvet. And then the culture in Norway in general is wealthy. So they have so many avenues for business opportunities. Like, you know, most of these people are rich. And Varg... Uh, he's no different, but he's not as well off as Euronymous and the rest of the guys. So he's a little bit hungrier than they are, which, of course, is what I laid out last time is why it led to him going crazy. Um, so he's most known, obviously, for the murders. Musically, he's most known for Brazum. Uh It's incredible that one person made that music. Told you that last time. Those first four records are phenomenal. They're flawless. And even the rest of the shit that he did... A lot of it's not for me, but he never did anything bad, per se. Like, he went on that, like, folkier path. That's not my shit. Yeah, I mean, when Ump's guitar came out, I got it, but I was yeah. like, yeah, hey, I'm not. It's not for I mean, me. It's not bad, but it's not good. 
for me. But to, those my four, opinion. The first four are incredible, man. That that is like, <coughs> I mean, he made black metal bands that are the third wave, and now we're in like the fourth wave that have come after that. That fourth wave right now with like Def Haven and and shitty bands like that. That atmospheric thing that Varg had going on in the background of that, they have just taken that, and that's really like a popular thing right now. That, that like Def Haven is a huge band, and to me, all they did is take like that. What sounds like it's in the woods, like a like a atmosphere. Like it's not just a music; it's like a feeling, you know. Yeah. And they took that and really multiplied that. They kind of put it with like like shoegaze type stuff, which Look, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like I never understood shoegaze until I actually gazed at their shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, fine Italian leather boots. <laughs> fucking. That's a funny way to look at that music, but it's because they have so many pedals, buddy. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> but yeah, they are wearing. Def Haven's wearing the high-end clothing. I yeah, don't get they, it. They, like, straight up, like, have a cobbler that goes on tour with them and makes them <laughs> shoes every show. Yeah, pull from Milan. They'll take that shoegaze thing seriously. Uh, and so, you know, I, I love the band. And then, of course, he's most known because he got a jail sentence for arson, murder, and stealing and hiding explosives. And he got the maximum sentence you can get in Norway, which is 21 years. He didn't serve the full sentence. Um... What happened? Oh yeah, so I want I wanted to give you this part of Varg's life, which is after everything. So Varg joins Algersmensch Heathen Front, which is basically a paganist separatist gang within prison. It's like uh, it's it's real similar to what like an Aryan vanguard would be, but like in Norway, it's like all white dudes in jail. Yeah. So I guess it's a way to like further separate yourself from other white guys. And again, we've talked about how these guys are, are they claim to be Odinists, Satanists, anti-Christian. Anti-Christian is an important thing because you can be like a pagan and anti-Christian because that's what they're mad about is that they destroyed the pagan monuments with churches and they got rid of, you know, the the religion of Odinism, they got rid of the original, which is basically paganism, you know? It's paganism, but it's the way that it was crafted for the Norse culture, Viking culture. These are the gods that they look to through their paganism, which paganism is just like, you know, you're not a a Gentile or a Christian. You have like this earth worship. Man, in fact, there's two good books. Actually, one of them Varg wrote. It's, um, it's, uh, what is this? Paganism and sorcery of Scandinavian yeah. something or another. I've got it. I just can't. That's not the right name. And then the other book is Essential Acid Tree, which is like, it's pretty good, but it's very like. It's all interesting, man. I mean, you know, the, the what Varg is into, and this just comes from like basically Viking culture. It's a real earth forward. Uh, it's an ideology. It's not a religion. But in your practice, you know, you're basically showing a lot of respect to nature. You're spending time in nature. You're just kind of showing as like a tribal group that you commune with nature, you know. And then the aspects that Varg takes out of that are absurd, (laughs) you know. Because we're talking about, it sounds pretty wholesome, you know. It's just like, okay, well, like, Vikings, I talked about last time, they're a tribal people. And like... you. Just like you would think of like a Native American, how like if they if they took X amount of crops, then they would replant X amount of crops. You know, they would only kill what they needed to eat. You know, that's part of their ideology. That's that's a form of paganism too. And so this is just worshiping Odin, Thor, 
you know, and believing in like Ragnarok, how uh, Fenrir came along the giant wolf and ate Odin. And then Odin was like dispersed into the universe and like his energy is within all these things. So following that line of thought, somehow Varg got way off the rails. And what this original group, this heathen front before Varg starts doing his own thing, is that they're completely anti-Semitic, completely anti-Christian. I mean, basically, his root was anti-Christianity, but he's at the point now where he's like, okay, well, Christianity is a Jewish plague. Like, he's basically of the mind that, like, Jewish people made Christianity as a way to, like, control stupid white people. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I hate to say he's probably right. <laughs> no, he's not right because fucking Charlemagne and them weren't Jews, man. Oh, okay, they, yeah. We talked about that last time. They're, they're Visigoths. They're yeah. not Jewish at all. In fact, they weren't what you would consider a religious person. They themselves were what we would call a pagan. Okay. They had like a line of like, there's probably these gods, but the gods represented elements basically. Yeah. See, that's the thing with like tribal people is like you have the idea of these gods, but it's always something that's represented as a realistic, tangible thing. Like the god of the wind, the god of the sun, the god of war, like things that you're involved in day to day. Paganism is just a way to like make that something that you can pay tribute to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I mean, like, really, I think, like, around uh, pretty much when the Abrahamic religion started being introduced, it was, like, a monotheistic thing as, yeah. as the, you know, instead of a polytheistic thing, which was a lot of pagans in yeah, general. Yeah, that's all we're talking about. Yeah. And, again, okay. like, and, you know, monotheistic is based off of, like, one thing that controls everything, including your life, before you're even born. Also, probably the heaviest Celtic Frost record. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, I love monotheists. He was so, asking if, someone we know was asking, we don't say her name, but they were asking if that was heavy or not the other day. It's like, all right, just stop talking on the internet and listen to monotheists. That's hands down my favorite Celtic Frost record. It's a it's, big old boy, man. And man. that shaped music for eons, yeah. you know? What Hellhammer was to black metal, Celtic Frost, monotheist, 90s, like, New York hardcore, and and what followed that was, like, even, like, new metal and shit. Like, that type of breakdown riff, they took from Celtic Frost, you know? Like, that's, I think, I mean, not only from them, but, like, think about Crowbar. Like, those big channels I, of, like, open... Monotheistic was 2000s, but, I mean, it just, they... That's... They, Still building upon what Celtic Frost was already Dude, doing. Dude, Celtic I Frost guess is what I'm trying to say. riffs are just... The way, yeah, but they're like slow and chuggy and sludgy. And that's, like, and that's back to the early 90s. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, that's sure. a genre-defining thing. And I think Monotheist is like the biggest nod to their catalog. Because they had that goofy... They broke up because they tried to do like a glam rock thing. Oh, yeah. And then they stopped and came back. And then Tom Ward was just like, no, we're coming back. And they just built upon what they had done before and just compacted it into this monster. I mean, Danny Diablo himself from Crown of Thorns says that's their biggest influence. Yeah, because the break, that type of chug a lug is what. It's fucking insane how heavy that is. So, anyway, Varg takes this, and, you know, the thing about Varg is that he's a polarizing person, even here, but especially in Norway. You think about how we had the satanic panic, and we got people like Charles Manson. You know, Manson never killed anybody. He was just involved in this shit, and he represented a certain type of thing within a culture. Yeah. And we still talk about him today. Well, Varg's the same way. He sells stories, right? So Varg's in this 
basically white separatist group already. And he doesn't really want, he doesn't want to be defined as that. You know, he is such a fucking um, narcissist that he has to be defined as his own thing at all times. So he doesn't want to be involved with that. The papers are saying that he's the leader of this white nationalist anti-Semitic gang in prison. And he's like, no, I'm not. Stop using my words against me. And he comes out with his own ideology called allism. I think it's how you say it. And it's basically a nod to Odinism. And uh, here's how Varg describes it himself. Allism is in the strictest sense an ideology based on blood of the native population and soil the homeland of the native population, protecting, promoting, and if necessary, reviving the customs, traditions, worldview, values, and religion that naturally came from each particular population in their homeland. That sounds like a Hitler speech. That's it. I mean, that <laughs> this, the blood and soil thing is yeah. atypical white separatist bullshit. Yeah. Varg xenophobic, you know, he's written books about, you know... And this is where this is where white nationalists always try to play like they're not. They say, "Okay, we're racist in the sense that every race is different." Yeah. But we're not racist against people with just hate for another person. Everyone's just different, but people need to stick to their own culture. We're for our people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You need to stick to your own culture, which in Varg's case, you know, is my culture, <laughs> which I don't want. You yeah. know. But but it's like yeah. So what basically. Saying this is like a threat because his culture is a warring culture. It's a tribal culture. It's a tribe of people whose number one goal is to have the most free space around them that they can by killing everything in their path. Well, that's essentially what Varg is saying is a threatening statement saying, if necessary, if we can't be by ourselves, we're going to use force to take it away from you. Which, and Which reminds me. We'll probably have to. I'll I'll bring it the next podcast and read it um, about a, a piece of paper. Whenever I was downtown protesting the the uh, rebel flag rally and the KKK guys and the neo Nazis, I had gotten a pamphlet about it specifically, almost just like what you read mm-hmm. about, like you know, until you do what you're supposed to do, basically is what it says. Like for your race, you know you. This is what you're called to do, and then you will be glorified whether you die or not. You know, like one of those. Kind yeah, of that Valhalla shit. It's and then it, it gave like a statistic of like, black, like what black people do against white people. You know, and like, oh, oh it's yeah. bullshit. You know, it's always the same shit with these yeah. guys, man. It doesn't change whether it's Varg, who's a real smart, well-spoken guy, trying to present it in this pretty little package. It reads the same way. Yeah. You don't like other people, and you know that's whatever. Just keep it the fuck away from me. All right, you know, just. You can say whatever you want to, but it's some dork ass shit. Yeah, man. I mean, dude, my my heritage is uh, German, you know, Visigoths. Basically, I mean, like, I get that shit, man. But like, dude, if you're about some white power shit, I don't want I don't want to fucking talk to you. I don't like you. No, you're you know? not smart. I mean, and that's the thing is that a lot of these guys are articulate. I mean, in Charlottesville, that's what they were chanting is blood and soil. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's yeah. just like this circle jerk of bullshit. Um, you know, before Varg defined his own religion, ideology, whatever you want to call it, he had claimed Nazism for a long time, you know, obviously because of his dad. And he does that to be shocking, which you'll see a good example of that as this keeps cooking. Uh, but he, you know, came out against that. He says that he was only doing that to be extreme, but he's not a socialist. He just agrees with their pagan ideology. 
Like, he likes the separatist idea, and he likes their pagan views, which Adolf Hitler was big into paganism um, and bringing back, like, these old ways. And then, you know, Heidrich Himmler got into the insane occult shit. But that's that's what his whole excuse was. Some shit you might not know about Varg is he's written about eight history books on Scandinavian culture, uh, including paganism. Uh, he's written books about how men are superior to women. Women are just made to follow men along Dude, in their path. Speaking of, man, his YouTube, his YouTube channel, he releases videos all the time. Today he released a video about, uh, did you see where they had found like a, a Viking woman? And they said that basically she was in charge. Like she might have been a general in a Viking thing or whatever. But he said that all the books that he has says that, Vi- that women were never Vikings. They were never warriors. That they basically were there to rear children for the warrior culture, and that um, maybe her, the girl's father or husband or brother, had buried his weapons in her coffin, and like he said that there's just no fucking women. Well, I hate to agree with Varg, but he's right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're not talking about a time. But here's the deal: is that two Vikings women were the most sacred. Yeah. It's not like uh, so like your everlasting reward. So you meet your wife in real life. That is your Valkyrie. Yeah. And when you die from glorious battle and you're in Valhalla, well then your wife joins you as essentially like your god in that realm. Yeah. You know, like that's your guiding, protecting force. So women are just as important as men in that culture. Yeah. They might not be the person to go out and fight other races of men on a battlefield but they are the people they're farming they're doing all the important work and they're most I mean, important like under that understanding the most important thing that they could do is to give birth to the next yeah. legion of warriors to go yeah, carry out Odin's exactly will. i mean women are sacred to vikings like that that's not yeah. a disputable point they weren't sexist i mean it, in the technical term i mean yeah i mean they're not gonna take them out to battle but that's not a shitty way like also like they wouldn't be able to take care of the home front because if you're a man you got to go fight. There's no yeah. options. Someone's yeah. got to stay there. But when they're home, everyone's equal. You know what I'm saying? They're all farming, cooking. The men cooked. The women cooked. The, everyone did the same shit. You pitched in and you made a, a decent society. Anyway, but Varg's a fucking idiot. I don't want to agree with Varg about anything. Um, also, a lot of people don't know that in addition to doing Burzum, he wrote four songs on Dark Thrones Transylvanian Hunger. He wrote one song on uh, Panzerfaust. Panzer, yeah, he wrote one song on Panzerfaust. He played bass on with Mayhem in the Day Mysterious Satanus and also the Life Eternal EP, which is what they recorded right after Dead died. And then he he was also into Mysterious Satanus. And then um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the important thing to understand about Varg. And how he got to this point is just the way he grew up. You know, he was inundated by a Nazi. His dad was brutal to him. He didn't have what all the kids that he's hanging around with have. So he didn't want to hear their bullshit. He wanted to act. He had a hatred in his heart. And he had the fucking, basically, the nuts to make it happen. Was it right? Absolutely not. Uh, But he was just the right person to be here to propel the agenda along. You know, none of these, like, Euromis isn't going to do shit. He's a fucking Dungeons and Dragons dork. He's not going to get out there and fight somebody. But Varg is... You don't cross Varg. Varg is the Dungeons and Dragons dork. Oh, He's yeah. got a fucking board game called Mayfrog. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my You know who God. Mayfrog is me if you pass me a doobie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. And, you know, Varg just got sick of hearing everyone's shit. Again, he's ready for action. He comes to Helvet. He's already got his band, Brazum. He's playing with Mayhem. 
And Euronymous is just talk, talk, talk. And so Varg's like, fuck this shit. We're doing it. You know, we said it. You said it. I thought we were on board. Let's fucking roll. And that's exactly what happens. May 23rd, they attempt to blow up Storviet Church in Bergen. And they fail at that. They start a small fire. The building's fine. They fucked it up. And then they get right back at it. A week later, June 6th, Varg burns Fantoff Stave Church in Bergen, which is the famous one that's on the uh, album cover. And uh, that was the first successful one. He burned it down all by himself. And I'm going to, when I read these, if I tell you the name of the person, it's confirmed that they did it. Okay. If I don't name a person, there is no confirmation. But what we have to believe is everything that happened in 1992, Varg was tied to it because he was the militant one. He was the one, he didn't always go by himself. And I'm generally have a pretty good account of who he brought with him. So um, if you don't hear me say a name, uh, like this one, the 1st of August, Revheim Church in Stavanger. The 21st of August, Varg, Faust, and Euronymous go burn Holman Colon, which was one of the older ones. It was the huge one that you see um, usually when they show like that giant church that collapses like from the inside. And it's got that statue out front that stands when the church collapses. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's that one. So it's like anal six. You said Herman Colon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they went yeah. a little bit. With they, col- they go, they go, it, they it go home in that colon. <laughs> collapses from the inside. They went colon bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and then September 1st, Ormia Church in Oslo burns. The 13th of September, Varg and Samoth go burn Skold Church in Vindafjord. The 3rd of October, Halkito Church burns in Oslo. Then Christmas Eve, Varg and Jorn from Dark Throne burn Asari and Bergen. Then the big one. This is the one that really, really got them searching for people. The Methodist Church in Sarpsburg. And what happens in that one is as on goddamn Christmas, they hit two back-to-back because it's a Christian holiday. Obviously, Norway is a majority Christian country now, so everyone's celebrating Christmas. They light this church on fire. These firefighters have to go out of their way on Christmas to battle a blaze, and a fucking firefighter dies fighting the fire in that church on Christmas. So that's when they were at the highest boiling point of we got to find these guys. So Varg, being the narcissist that Varg is, and also being pretty savvy about promoting himself, he gets two of his friends to interview him, they sit down and do like a homemade interview. None of them are journalists. He sends it in to the uh, Bergen's Tindy, which I think is like the Bergen Times, basically. Yeah. Um, they send it into this newspaper and then the interview's shit. So the guy, and it's also like from out of nowhere. It's basically just this guy saying, hey, I know why all these churches are burning. I know about this murder. And so the reporter gets a hold of him and he's like, if this is legit, I'm going to have to sit down with you. You'll remain anonymous and we'll sort it out. So Var gets back to him, takes some time to think about it and says, okay, I'm going to give you the address to an apartment. We're going to meet at this apartment. It ends up being stupid fucking Varg's apartment. And he brings the guys there and they show them that they've got guns and they say, hey, if you get into the police, he tells them on the phone, if you get the police involved, we're going to shoot you. They show them the guns. They sit down and do the interview. Varg's got his face covered with his hair the whole time. It's where you see that infamous picture of Varg holding the two knives with like his hair yeah. covering his face. 
And uh, Varg, see, this is how smart Varg's advertising was because you know that thing that's like, Brazoom, coming to a church near you? I've got that patch on my vest. Yeah, he made that <laughs> shit. It looks like a satire thing made yeah. down the, No, no, Varg made that shit and was yeah. selling it, you know? He he knew what he was doing. So, uh, again, I, believe, I think all Varg was trying to do right now is sell records, you know? Yeah. So he wants to get credit for this shit, but he doesn't want to be found out. And the way that he does it is he sits down with the porter, threatens him with death if the police get involved, and he really thinks that he's going to be able to pull the whole thing off being anonymous. I mean, it's the biggest story in the country. A firefighter has just died. You know, he's going under his alias Count Grishnak, which is already tied to Brazum, you know? But what he's saying is that, like, he's first of all threatening the paper, that he needs the anonymity, and he, say, he, he thinks in his mind that the way that he explained what happened to them he didn't give them enough information based on himself and other people that he can be tied to it. But yeah. he's still tied to it because he's given them his name and sitting down with them, you know? And so when they do the interview, um, the guy takes it. And, like, normally you would edit the story and, like, send it back to the person and have them read over it. That's basically what they agreed on. But the guy's a good journalist in a way because he took everything Varg told him and called the police right away. But not to say, hey... Here's the guy, allegedly, he probably did do that because he didn't want to get shot, but he said, like, can I verify these details? And Varg had given him information that wasn't in any of the police reports intentionally because cops do that shit, you know? Yeah. They leave out parts of the crime so when the killer goes looking for attention or whatever and or speaks and they can reference what really happened with what they're hearing and know if it's bullshit or not. You know? which, which church was this? Was it Fanstop? Oh, they had they. This is after they had done all the ones I just read. Okay. This is after the entire year of 1992. Mm. I'm keeping it current with a timeline. That's why I stopped there. Um. So, uh. So the guy verifies with police, and then the very next day, man, this guy is so horny to get his story out and be known as a good reporter. He fucks the whole thing up. He puts this article out, and it's called "We Set the Churches on Fire," and Varg had given the guy so much bullshit, man, because he's a master manipulator. Yeah. And he thought it was funny, too. On top of trying to sell records, he fucked with the guy so bad. And he thought it was hilarious. He still thinks it's hilarious. And honestly, it's pretty fucking funny. Like, he just fed him bullshit. You know, he told the guy, we're, um, we're fucking devil worshippers. And we've come to strike fear into the heart of Norway. And we're not going to stop terrorizing the country until the Christian church leaves Norway. And this guy, like doesn't verify enough to run the story he verifies the crimes and shit but that's it but you know police are automatically oh count grishnak oh he's in the band brazoom oh it's varg he lives here and they go arrest him yeah and uh he gets arrested and he spends six weeks in lockup and honestly uh he, he would have fucking stayed there the whole time if it wouldn't have been for that dumbass reporter like not only does he put that report out uh he fucking keeps putting out like all these panic stories without police re without re police approval. And so the next thing that happens is while he's sitting in jail, uh, police start snooping around Helvet, but police start asking everyone questions. They pick up other people and they uh, are in jail for less time than Varg. They don't have any evidence to hold them. So people start getting released. They're putting pressure on Euronymous. They've got police hanging out at Helvet. They got reporters hanging out at Helvet. Euronymous obviously didn't have a successful business in the first place. We, t we described it in the first episode. It's just a shitty record store where they're trying to sell records that are too cult to make money, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he shuts it down. He closes Helvet. And 
imagine how Varg felt at this point. You know, he just done all this stuff to sell his records out of Helvet, and then here's Euronymous shutting it down. And, uh, you know, Euronymous wasn't like Varg. He didn't come from diversity. He was a rich kid. He grew up with a rich family. His parents were funding everything, and the government was funding everything. So he doesn't want to go to jail, you know? Varg's not afraid of going to jail. He thinks it's a fucking game. Euronymous is not trying to spend time in jail. He gets freaked out and closes down, and, uh, you know, it's pretty much inevitable he's going to go to jail, but he's trying to do everything he can to save his ass. Let's be honest. Norwegian prison is a fucking game. Oh, yeah. We're, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to roll through all that, but, like, Euronymous is guilty on so many levels. Not only had he physically been at some of the church burnings, but these kids are out burning churches and coming and telling him about them, and he's telling kids, like, yeah, yeah, go do it. If he thinks they're going to do it or not, it doesn't matter. All roads lead to Euronymous. He's yeah. going down, you know? So he shuts the fucking hell vet down and... You know, when he hears these stories from kids, like, we're going to burn this church, he probably thinks that he's talking to a version of himself. Like, okay, kid, whatever. But then they do it, so now you're implicated. You fucked up bad. Um, And, you know, then this stupid fucking reporter takes another story. They get a report that Varg has got this secret tunnel that leads to a giant cave where they've been having rituals, and he's hiding 400 assault rifles and all these weapons-grade explosives. And so the reporter tells the police about it. The police go to raid it. While the police are raiding it, the reporter writes the story about how the police found all this stuff, goes ahead and prints it up. Well, the police don't find anything but rats and ducks and shit. (laughs) So they come back empty-handed, and this dumb shit had already ran the story. So that, in conjunction with not having any physical evidence on VAR, because, again, he bullshit the guy up top, they got to let Var go. Yeah. He gets out of jail, free to walk the streets. And he does for another, I think, eight months. And uh, imagine Varg's brain at this time. He's insane. He's uh, so full of himself already. I mean, he called it Babe Ruth style. Like, you guys aren't going to hold me. I didn't give you enough information to implicate myself in anything. I told you about this stuff, but it's not me doing it, and you can't prove it. And guess what? He's fucking right. So as big as his head is, now this motherfucker feels invincible. None of his friends got caught. He didn't get caught. And the paper just fell into his whole trap. It's it's really unbelievable. You know, you just fueled this guy up to think he's some type of fucking super saiyan, and he's going to be getting away with <laughs> these crimes for forever. You understand? So... This is a story, again, um, we've already said several times we think uh, Lords of Chaos is total bullshit. This is a story from Lords of Chaos that I love and I hope is true. When Varric comes back and he's on like Cloud Nine, he's staying in Bergen because he's not, no reason to be in Oslo without Helvet. So they've got, the, the Oslo police have this task force that's supposed to be working on figuring out who's been burning churches to try to prevent them from happening again in the future. And so what happens here is that they set up in this hotel in uh, in Bergen where Varg's staying at. So supposedly Varg gets these two bodyguards, giant dudes, goes to the hotel. They kick the fucking door in, and Varg is wearing chain mail and has two giant, like, combat knives by his side. Think about that. I don't cops. And not just cops, but, like, a task force. And a, Varg walks in and says, don't be in my town. You need to stop snooping around. You're not going to find shit. Don't fuck with me. And the cops go, you don't have the authority to be 
issuing commands here, guy. You're in no position. So Varg fucking Sieg heils him and backs out of the room. Holy shit. But it's in Lords of Chaos. Yeah. So it's probably total bullshit. I've got that book, man. I've read it, and it's just, things don't add up. It's all sensationalized, man. Yeah. I would love for this to be true. That's a cool-ass story, dude. That's <laughs> fucking like a, nuts, man. A yeah. bar getting out of jail like, well, now that I can't be arrested ever again, fuck you. Fuck you, cops. Look at these combat knives and chainmail that I've got on. <laughs> How are you going to go try and shake somebody down in chainmail, dude? What, are you going to stop a bullet with chainmail? I don't think... <laughs> It's just so funny. That's a good way to just get committed. It's just hilarious. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, yeah, there's just no way he would have walked out of that, right? That's yeah, surely, yeah. I know it's like a real lax liberal country, but surely he wouldn't have gotten no. away with that, dude. Um, so then a famous quote after all this happened is that uh, the Swedish Metals Magazine interviewed Varg. He kind of gave him the scoop on how he'd been falsely arrested and how he had, like, clowned this newspaper which was sucked for the newspaper, you know, because that guy just lost all credibility. The dude's still working for the newspaper, which just blows my mind. But he lost all credibility, all face in this. And when he goes to the Metal Magazine, he tells exactly how he did it and how, you know, he, he knows about the stories, but he doesn't know who did it. And they're like, What's, what was it like in jail? And he's like, oh, jail's bullshit. It's like your own personal apartment. You have everything you need. He's like, I wanted to be in a dungeon. I requested to be put in a dungeon. I requested for the cops to use physical force against me. Like, okay, Varg. He, the guy's just so full of shit all the time. Is he building catapults? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is too medieval time shit. It's like, dude, what the fuck's a dungeon? And that's jail. Just wait till you see what fucking prison is like in, in Norway. We're talking like county jail. Like, when he goes to federal prison, dude, this motherfucker's got an apartment that he recorded albums from. He wrote books. He's got his own library. He can get whatever he wants to. And he's rich. We talked about this last time. He's got tons of fucking money, man. Yeah. Burzum is selling units, baby. He's getting that cake. He's getting the Gitas. He's getting the guap. He's having a good time at commissary. You know, he's probably getting all the fucking pickled fish that he wants. He's like a bike metal two chains, man. Yeah, he's doing it, baby. Oh, yeah. When he dies, bury him inside the Viking boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they asked Varg what he does and who he does it for. He does it to get a Viking funeral. Damn. All right, freestyle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's the big enchilada, man. Uh, here's the culmination of this entire wave of black metal. It kind of kills the whole thing. The saga, the history, the legends, it all comes to a head here. And man, is it unbelievable still today how all this shit happened based on some guys being like, death metal, not enough. <laughs> it's just no, so insane, yeah. man. Uh, Varg's been out of jail for eight months, feeling on top of the world. Now, we're going to go to August 10th, 1993. Varg and Blackthorn from Mayhem. They're both in Mayhem, and Euronymous is in Mayhem. They had just finished recording this album. They go from Bergen to Euronymous's place in Oslo. I'm just going to give it to you the straight police facts right now. There's a fight that breaks out. Euronymous ends up dead as fuck. Yeah. He ends up stabbed 16 times in the back, five times in the neck, and two in the head, and the last one, the knife was left in the head. Here's what Varg says. <laughs> Varg says what he was trying to do is take... It. So Varg says that he got wind that Euronymous is going to kidnap him with a taser, tie him up, 
and then videotape himself, Euronymous. Make it a snuff video. Yeah, make a snuff video, torture Varg to death. Now, Euronymous probably said that shit, man. Think about who we're dealing with. Yeah. Talks too goddamn much, but you know he's full of shit because he'll never do a goddamn thing. He's always talking some crazy shit. Never doing it. So that may have happened. He's I'm, like that fucking kid in high school. It's like, yeah, my dad lets me party. And he's like, hell yeah. Everybody's wanting to come over and fucking party. But, you know, get there and dad's just letting you fucking take a little sip of the beer. <laughs> yeah, he did yeah, it exactly. one fucking time, yeah. you know, but it turned into it's party. And dad's doing coke off strippers and shit. Woo! Yeah, they just take that story to a whole other place. Every goddamn kid has heard a story like that. Oh, yeah, just some total <laughs> bullshit. Like, yeah, my dad was in the Special Forces, and he was blowing rails off Vietnamese ladies' assholes and then firing 80 caliber machine guns into the trees. Like, yeah, that was fucking Rambo, guy. They just didn't show the cocaine part, but boy, was he sweaty. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. So this fucking dude is, uh, you know, Varg, if he did hear that, he knows better. And if you did hear that and you were legit afraid... This is the part that doesn't add up with that, is what Varg is supposedly doing right now is he set up a meeting about mayhem shit with Euronymous, and that's supposedly why Blackthorn is with him, and they're going to talk about like touring and how the CD's coming out, and Varg has drawn up a contract that says he gets X amount of money from the mayhem record, and he gets X amount of money for the Brazoom records. And what Varg says is he's going to surprise him with, this, with the contract. The guy doesn't know what he's in for and be like, sign this. He's going to make him sign it and then be like, all right, now fuck off. That's his plan, right? Varg says when he got there, Euronymous got freaked out and started trying to stab Varg with a knife. Varg says he took the knife from Euronymous and then stabbed him. And he said that he, won't, he kept trying to get Euronymous to stop fighting him after he'd been stabbed. But Euronymous won't quit. Varg was scared for his life. He even tried to turn and run, but Euronymous came back again, and that's when he stabbed him in the head to finish him off. That's Varg's story. Physically, it doesn't add up because he was stabbed 16 times in the back. Yeah. And that was the first contact. So what really happened is that Varg was behind him, probably this type of stabbing psycho movie motion, and just da 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 you know, went after his back and tried to kill him easy like that. He didn't die. As, you know, you watch movies and see people get stabbed. Again, these guys want to know what this feels like, for sure. Like, they want to know, but they have no idea. They've just seen it in horror movies. Yeah. And heard it in death metal songs. So when the guy doesn't just, like, die when you stab him, he just keeps stabbing him. He turns around, you know, he fucking stabs him in the neck five times. And then he stabs him twice in the head and probably loses control of the knife and gets the fuck out of there. That's the physical side of it. I know that in that time period, a lot of those guys were into snuff films. Like, they watched snuff films. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, this, yeah, that's true. That's you know, like, point. the guy from Olver said that was, like, something he was really into Yeah, at he time still period. likes it. Yeah, I mean, probably That's what does. he was saying. He was yeah. just like, I particularly enjoyed that. that you got to watch until the light takes us. <laughs> the, the things that these guys say still today, you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's until the light takes us, and... Um, once, Once upon, upon a time, time in Norway. Norway. Yeah. Oh, that it might have been that one. I watched them like back to back one day to yeah. to start writing the shit. Um, so, you know, that's the physical contrary. Like, there's no you don't stab someone in the back in self defense. There's just no way. Like, what did he do? Fucking turn him around and just started stabbing, and then he turned back around and he stabbed him more. It just doesn't add up, you know. And so, essentially, what probably happened here, these guys had a fucking rivalry for years. They, Varg was constantly talking shit about him. He was constantly talking shit about Varg because of the dynamic that we framed this whole time. 
one person was gonna do shit, the other person wasn't. Varg had forced him into doing some shit that he probably wouldn't have done just because he talked about it so much. He's like, okay, we're gonna go do it. Now you're doing it. Now I'm taking you to the fucking church with me. We're gonna set it on fire. You know? They had had tension for forever. They had a facade of friendship, but they were both basically jockeying for who was number one in the black metal region, right? That's what was going on. Who's the coolest? Which one of them is the guy that everyone should be like, this is the most extreme, this is the most grim, cult, true person in the whole culture. That's all they're doing. And then on top of that, Euronymous is supposedly shady with money, you know? Varg thinks that he should be getting more money for the Burzum albums, more money for the Mayhem album. Um, And then on top of that, you got to think, when Varg was in jail for six weeks, the reason that Varg brought the story up in the first place was to get people to go to Helvet to buy his records. Who's the real Jew? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, money boy. Where are you at now? (laughs) Money, money, money. And so all that just boiled over, man. I th- Varg planned to kill him, and he went and fucking killed him. And he thought he was going to get away with it because he had just gotten away with all this other shit. He thought in his mind, this is where the type of mania that Varg fell into. He thought in his mind that he was so smart, and he had done it one time before, that he would be able to, to trick the fucking cops and the media one more time, and that he would be cleared, and it would be a self-defense thing with Euronymous. And Blackthorn didn't roll over on him, you know? All Blackthorn said is that he went with him. He didn't want to go in the apartment. He turned around the corner and he said that he met up later with Varg and Varg was covered in blood. And Varg stuck to that and Blackthorn stuck to that, which I respect. Uh, Blackthorn ended up getting fucking eight years for being an accomplice. Yeah. And like I said, uh, the Varg trial is insane. It was a quick verdict, you know, just for everything that he did. Like having the explosives... (laughs) It's insane. He only got 21 years. I think he served 16 of it. I think he went in in 93, and I should check. Uh, he served 14 to 16, something like that. Um, Faust, all right? So when Varg turned in all the information, what he told the reporter first to get his attention with his the original interview is that he stabbed the guy in Lillehammer. But when they did the second interview, he gave, like he said, the details about Faust, like the way he looks kind of hinted around the band that he plays in and gave enough evidence. Like basically what happened is once he did that crime, once he stabbed the guy, Emperor relocated to Oslo, right? So Varg basically gives a roundabout wink, wink to the guy. Like think about bands that are doing well, that recently relocated to Oslo. So it doesn't take the cops long to sit down everyone from Emperor and quickly find out that Faust had stabbed the guy. Um, the guy's name was Magni Andresen. We talked about that in the first episode. He's an openly gay guy. Um, suppose like, you know, what I think happened, uh, uh, explanation is he has no idea why it happened. Um, his bandmates say that he was obsessed with serial killers, uh, which doesn't mean shit. So are we, and we have fun with it, but he manifested that into, he wanted to see what it was like to kill somebody. He just let it take over him in a negative way. And that he was going to kill somebody. And Faust kind of corroborates, corroborates that because he says like, um, it, he said, like, oh, I was, I'm full of hate. I hate the world. I hate being around people. I don't want to talk to people. He's like, it would have been anybody. This is why he didn't get, like, the full 21 years for, like, killing him just because he's gay. But yeah. he's just like, it could have been anybody. I was ready to kill somebody. I had this hate, and I wanted to get rid of it like this. 
and this person was just here and it happened. He admits to it. He goes to prison again at cushy jail. He gets 14 years. I believe he gets out in eight. Pretty sure that's how it went. Um, but he's out now. He's making music still. Um, not an emperor. Emperor hates him. No, uh, I know. Twenty in 2014, uh, they did uh, an entire like a nightside eclipse, uh, basically. Oh yeah, I've seen, that. I've seen that video. Yeah, and then but... he's in a really like I don't know if it's still around anymore, but he's in a real badass like uh, it's like sort of like a thrash black punk band. Yeah, what's the name of that shit? Scum. Scum. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, yeah, it dude. Is a badass it's band. really good. But no, he's still out there, dude. He's still making a living off music and probably getting that sweet Nor- Norwegian stipend because of that liberal ass country. One thing that I find particularly funny in this whole thing that should not be laughed at. I know I'm a bad person for this, but when they're talking to the other dude from uh, Emperor, um, oh, no, 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 it's the guy from Over. They're, that dude that was talking about liking the snuff films, uh, the dude from Over. So he's like sitting and they're interviewing him and he's like, uh, he's like, they're talking about this murder and he's like, he's like, yeah, you, you know, it's, uh, Faust is, it's coming along one day and he says, Faust says he stabs this guy in park and I'm like um, Faust stabs guy and he's like and I hear oh it's true he's like oh yeah so Faust he he just goes and he stabs this faggot (laughs) yeah and has a lot of respect from me to Faust (laughs) (laughs) what are you saying but yeah, until uh, I think I think that wasn't until like Texas yeah that was yeah so like all those guys are so silly man Uh, like I was talking about in the first one dude Fenris and uh, now, now, from what I understand, like the gay dude, like apparently approached Faust and was like, you know, basically like, hey, let's go up here and fuck. You know? Yeah. And he's like, okay. He said at that time period, he had already made a decision to kill. To kill, him, yeah, right. You know, yeah, and he followed um, him up there and fucking stabbed him and left the body and was real messy about it. But he would have got away with it if it wasn't for a stupid fucking Varg. Um, yeah, I mean that that's where that's the end. Like that's it. You know. That, that, now there's there's like twenty more. Um, church burnings just in that area. There's like 60 more connected to like people worshiping Varg and shit. But that's the point where we're at right now. Yeah, you know, pretty much as soon as he sentenced, it's just like they just start burning churches, man. <clears throat> and and that that's the end of the second wave of black metal. I mean, what happens is that like Euronymous is dead, and Euronymous's family ask uh, Hellhammer like, "Hey, can you take Varg's bass parts off this album?" And Hellhammer says, no, I think it's very appropriate that both Victim and Killer are on the record. And they he Hellhammer and Necrobutcher release uh, Demis... How do you say Day Mysterious Satanus. Satanus. Oh, so, yeah, that's how I figured, but whatever. Uh, Day Mysterious Satanus, they put it out. Uh, I think that's Mayhem's best album. It's great. It is good, man. Attila, man, I, I was saying this on the way here. Like, Attila's vocals are amazing. He has this, like, Gregorian chant. Like, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, sounding. yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a chamber choir type of thing. Yeah. Got a, yeah, yeah. No, and he's the only person that sounds like that, too. Yeah. Um, but so what we'll do in part three is uh, we'll, I'm going to catch you up with, like, I told you kind of what Varg has had going on through the years. I'll catch you up with exactly what he's doing right now. And we'll talk about some of the gnarlier crimes that have taken place in black metal since the second wave of black metal. And then I'm also going to go down the road of NSBM, National Socialist Black Metal, and really just kind of cover the bases on like what became of that second wave of black metal. Yeah. Because there's still black metal bands. There's still good bands. But, I mean, when you see people say like the true black metal, I mean, nothing... 
is ever been a culture like that musically. I don't care no. what type of music it is. So you could be making black metal. I mean, I'm in a I'm in what I would call a black and death band right now. War metal. War metal, yeah, but it's not I can't, you know, I would feel like an asshole for saying I'm making black metal because no matter what it sounds like, I'm not I'm not doing shit like this. And they really went for it. Was it wrong? Yes. Was it silly? Oh fuck, yeah, it's silly. But hey, man, what a cool part of culture that people went this far over metal. <laughs> yeah. But it, that that was all so much fun to talk about. I'm, I'm happy that we got to do this podcast. And uh, part three is going to be fun. Me and Buddy got a surprise in store for you. So make sure you watch the YouTube next week. Very important. You want to see me and Buddy next week if that drops in you. Wanna for you want to see it. Uh, as always, I would like to give you my... Magic advice. I think this particular week, uh, let's 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 try to get people to build a, a sigil towards friendship. Friendship, because we want to be friends with uh, this giant podcast, uh, and we're friends with each other, and we would like for you to have friends like we have each other. So, what I want you to do is to uh, summon Dagon, the uh, crowned prince dragon of Satan. He's a water dragon, and basically, if you summon him. He is like a beacon of companionship. So he's like Satan's fucking pet in a way, I guess. But he's like one of the more loyal demons of Satan. Like demons are demons and they're not like loyal to any one thing all the way because they're demons. But this is one of Satan's like most reliable people. So We're we're talking about like H.P. Lovecraft Dagon? No. But H.P. Lovecraft uses Dagon. Okay. But this is a Crowley theistic satanism writing okay that i'm referring to it's a dragon still it looks like a water dragon right the hp lovecraft he's the same way basically lovecraft was also (laughs) anti-semite yeah but this isn't anything to do with it he's anti-everything that dude was (laughs) mad racist anyway so you're gonna you're gonna build you're gonna look up the sigil online you're gonna draw the sigil to dagon and what you're gonna do of course is uh light your fucking you're gonna light two candles put the sigil in the middle and Dagon's a water dragon, so you're going to present some water. You're going to cut yourself just a little bit and put some blood into the water to let Dagon know that you're serious. And then, of course, you're going to ejaculate onto the sigil. You're going to not burn this one. You're going to soak it in the water because he doesn't like fire. The toilet. Perfect. And flush it. Get rid of That's it. That's a good place to put cum. <laughs> you <get> toilet. <laughs> Unless he gets like an alligator or something fucking pregnant. And then you got Woo! like a- Man, I love alligators. I was thinking about this week. What a cool motherfucker is an alligator. That's cool, like a hurricane. Like, man, they're cool as hell, dude. <laughs> yeah. I want a goddamn alligator. All right, man. I think that's good enough. Well, I think we did the second wave of black metal a great justice. So next week we'll catch up with present day black metal. Um, make a pact with Satan to... Get the fullest effect you can out of your life. For sure. See you next week. Love y'all. Whoa, 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 buddy. I almost fucked the whole podcast up. Nothing would be complete without hearing your sweet voice read some lyrics. What song are we doing? We're going to do Emperor. I am the Black Wizards. Go ahead. Mightiest am I, but I am not alone in this cosmos of mine, for the black hills consist of black souls, souls that already dies in the thousands of deaths. Behind the stone walls of centuries, they breathe their black art, boiling, boiling their spells, cauldrons of black gold, far up the mountains where the rain fall not far, yet the sun cannot reach the wizards my servants. 
Summon the souls of the microcosm. No age will escape my wrath. I travel through time and I return to the future. I gather wisdom now lost. I visit again the eternally ancient caves. Before a mighty emperor thereupon came. Watching the mortals... Hold on, hold on. That's for sure a pussy. The ancient caves where a mighty emperor came? Oh, yeah. Continue. Bab Morda from Willows, pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see that thing, you gross witch. (laughs) Watching the mortals discovering my chronicles guarded by the old demons even unknown to me. Once destroyed, their souls are being summoned to my timeless prison of hate. It is delightful to feast upon the screaming souls that were destroyed in my future. How many wizards that serve me with evil, I know not. My empire's has no limits. From the never-ending mountains black to the bottomless lakes, I am the ruler and has been eternities long. I am them. I am them. I am them. From the never-ending mountains black to the bottomless lakes, I am the ruler and has been for eternities long. My wizards are many. But their essence is mine. Forever they are in the hills and they are in the stone homes of grief. Because I am the spirit of existence. I am them. I am them. I am them. Yeah, Wizards are come, right? In that song? That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Alright, well that's the real end of the podcast. Thanks for blessing us with that, buddy. Yeah, no problem, man. Till next week! Bug. Lick. Nick. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.